fact about Bron. Tiny two-year-old Olive was not the biggest talker, but she certainly was the loudest. Bron, infant Edie and Olive were hanging out at a local park while Bron, exhausted and in the fourth trimester, watched and tried to get Edie to sleep. Olive joined a tiny group of small children playing house. Some kids were stirring pretend bowls and some were chopping pretend carrots. <laughs> Olive picked up a pretend glass and shouted, Oh no, I've spilled my wine! <laughs> such good, such good modelling. I know, such yeah, well, it, it was so many parents there as well. I was like, you motherfucker! <laughs> that was the saddest day of my life. And this is the second saddest. Let's go home. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Good Sheilas, the podcast that will turn your stomach and warm your heart as we reflect on what makes all of us tick. I'm Bron, a comedian. And I'm Claire, a human rights lawyer. And we're longtime friends, short-time mums and lifetime dickheads. Each episode we tackle something in the media as well as something in life that's kicked us in the guts. So strap yourselves in, mongrels, and get ready for Good Sheilas. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. Hey, this Hi. is going to be a big episode, so you get ready, okay? It's going to be big. Okay. I will be so ready, 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 <laughs> ready. What are we talking about, mate? Okay, so this week we're going back to our roots, Claire. So do you remember our first ever mm. episode? And I'm so saying this to you like you don't know what I'm talking about, but we wrote this together. I have no together. idea what you're talking about. <laughs> this is spontaneous. <laughs> oh, my God. How did they do it? <laughs> so our first ever episode, we talked about the broken culture of private school boys. So it seems like we're double dipping, but it is relevant again it always is relevant but it is relevant again because it always is it always is because it is ongoing and there is heaps of sexual assault scandals that are kind of unfolding before us and there's more attention is coming towards it but why is nothing changing and how is it linked to the rape accusations sitting at the very highest levels of our government we will unpack. It is a learning day. It is an angry day. Angry. And we have a lot to say about this, mm. but also got a frothy, fun a marshmallow for the end of your dense <laughs> cup of pain coffee. We're going to talk about just how on the nose films we loved as kids are and just how eye-opening and cringe-inducing it feels to revisit them. <laughs> I told you Bambi was evil, Bron. I told you. Well, Bambi was a bit messed up, <laughs> just like, just real quick. The mum dies, but when does the mum not die in any film or I any know. book? They- always kill always them off. dead 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 often it's both parents but it is almost always yeah, the mom and the mum. the mum's always also the stepmom's the bad guy yeah i can't wait to be a stepmom <laughs> and a bad guy <laughs> finally you have to come you have to dress as maleficent and be like don't touch my horns exactly how's your week been i'll tell you how my week's Great. been my kid's undertaking a rebrand she's an ungrateful swine. I've always said it. She is. What is she for what? going back to her? So is this Stevie. <laughs> so Stevie so wants Stevie. to be what? So Stevie. So context. Stevie was actually born Evelyn. What? So Evelyn is her real name on her birth certificate. I know what. <laughs> um, and it was obviously Stevie um, and Evelyn are very close together, and it's very much making sense. <laughs> but I will tell you how it happened. She was Evie for all of two days until a maid of ours just started calling her Stevie and it just stuck and she's a Stevie right mm. that kid is a Stevie she is yeah. not an Evelyn and I've had lots of moments in my life where I'm like I did not choose the right name for my child and was relieved that we've kind of undertaken our own rebrand but now she's decided that she wants to be called Evelyn yeah it doesn't suit her so just it doesn't suit her. Ta- just pop that balloon pop that hope balloon and tell her to get out of your Evelyn's house. Evelyn's an idiot's name. <laughs> Only idiots are called Evelyn. <laughs> it's funny because I mean, obviously it's her. You had chosen oh. Evelyn's name. Oh, who exactly? What Stevie? You exactly. had chosen Evelyn for her when you were pregnant with 
hurt and and so I remember I got like a bunting made which said like this lovely yellow bunting that said Evelyn on it and you were like I love it and then um and I'm sure you still got it somewhere maybe in the bin and I um and, but, I actually do still have it but it just it, it's and then when she was born it was only like oh, oh not that much earlier a friend of ours that we love dearly Sal uh, she had a little baby as well and she called her Genevieve and then her nickname was but, Evie. Uh, Evie, And you were like, right. fuck, that was going to be my kid's nickname. And so you were like, can't, that can't be her name. I'm going to have to change it to Stevie. And then it was, and then at the start it was like, oh, that's a strange name, but it suits her so much that it can't so not be her much. name. So yeah, it's a name. Can she? Can kids do that? Can kids change their names? Legally, I can call the police. <laughs> Good. But she can, obviously, she can do whatever she wants. It's her identity. It's her name, and I will respect it. But it just—it's the weirdest thing. I called my kid a name. She wants to be called the name that I called her, and now I'm pissed. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's. But rational. yeah, she's like. I mean, maybe Evelyn will grow on her. Maybe it will grow on me, as it did when she was a tiny. You know. Uterine, uterine, uterine. What is that? It's a, it it's a, it's a, it's a magical drink you take for when you, when you, when it hurts when you pee. You um, whatever, whatever I'm trying to say is, is that, is a UTI. That I have to just be at peace with her rebrand. Yeah. So when did the, has this just been really recently? Because I know that her grandma calls her Evelyn. Yeah, like in the last week. Oh wow. So do you think in it's because week. her grandma was calling her Evelyn and she was like, "You're right, that's gorgeous. no." It came from school. What? It came from school. I think that. I think that probably someone teased her about having a boy's name or some shit. Kill him. Kill that mm, fucking idiot. What? Whoever that is. You're dead. You'd watch your back. Watch your back. But, um, well, but I, I, just, I just it. have to be at peace with it. Maybe I'll go and take my own rebrand, mate. Well, what, maybe you could say... Well, my I'm name's not... Stevie. <laughs> yeah, you could say, don't call me mum. Just call me Stevie. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, speaking How of about you, names... mate? Are you having your own parenting adventures yeah. this week? Speaking what of names, happening? it's actually perfect. The segue is almost seamless. Is um... Oh, my God. It actually is buttery lovely. We never do that no, good. it doesn't. We like, did it, mate. These actually go together. <laughs> Like a birds of a feather. So this, so Olive um, obviously has started a new school, and she uh, she was the only Olive um, at her last school, and I think I'm pretty sure she's the only Olive at um, this new school. And I love her name. Like even when I say it, I'm like satisfied. It's, it's a really nice sound. It's like Do you want to swap nice to what Evelyn? No thanks. <laughs> Shit name. <laughs> No, it's lovely name. No, there's is um so a little boy sits next to her, her and he was looking at her worksheet and he saw that her name said Olive and he said, Oh, do you mean Olivia? And she was like, No, my name's Olive and he was like What is your dad's name banana and your mum's name sandwich? And she was <laughs> a quality insult. <laughs> When she told me so that, clever. when she told me, we should I'm, get him on the podcast. <laughs> he's a comedian. I'm gonna steal it. It was like I like when she told me, I laughed out loud, and I was like, "What did you say?" And she was like, "I just said no," and then I walked away, and I felt very embarrassed. I was like, "Oh," and she was like, "Why did you call me that? Why didn't you call me Olivia?" I was like, "Cause I don't." Because I like the name Olive. And then I was like justifying my decisions to my dumb kid. And I was like, how dare you? You don't even pay taxes. But neither do I. But we, ha- I had to. <laughs> None of us can say anything. But I, I was like, well, what? Okay, well, what's his name? She was like, he's just got a normal name. I was like, what is it? And she said, his name is Barney. And I said, that is not a normal name. And she said, yes, isn't it? And then I had to, and then this is where I could have been like, it's a fine name. It's fine. Everyone has their own choices. But I went onto the internet and I showed her Barney the dinosaur. And I was like, that's maybe who he's named after. (laughs) And as I was doing it, every step of the way, I knew I was making bad decisions but I was like, That's I fucking great. love it's that like a name. Tudor Advocate article, local <laughs> bully credits, mum. So I was like, maybe just let him know that parents choose names for different reasons, and that there's like they've got associations with things, and some things are cool, like delicious olives, and some things are bad, like really daggy, bloody dinosaurs. So like, each to their own. And then 
Um, just maybe make him know that he, you know, your mum's pretty relevant and his mum's a shit cunt. So that's also a <laughs> yeah. thing. So carry on. My job here is done. Yeah. <laughs> so look, she, I, she did say that she asked him when he was annoying her one day. She did say, have you heard of Barney Dinosaur? And he said, yes. And she was like, okay, good. And so it was never went into a bullying thing. He was very aware of where, like, that his name had a, it was a dinosaur. But I do know that that could have gone in a very different direction. Whoops, a daisy. That's okay. You've got to give your kids ammo. I know. Next time, give her a knife. Just give her a weapon. I'm going to cut your hair off, Barney. (laughs) I'm going to cut your mum, Barney. Slice a hole in the bottom of his bag. I did not expect it to go so into bad behaviour at school. But here is another segue and quite quite a serious one, mate. So we are a bit up in arms this week. There's a few major events that you would have seen in the news. And we want to draw attention to the very significant link, causal link between them. So starting off, Bron, give us a bit of a lowdown on what's happened in Sydney schools. Okay, so um, in the eastern suburbs, schools, including uh, a whole bunch of them, they have, yeah. um, they're trying to introduce a new sex and consent initiative in the, um, the coming months after a petition started by a 22-year-old girl called Chanel Contos unveiled hundreds um, when I say 22 year old girl I mean woman I don't know why I go to girl so quickly um, unveiled hundreds of sexual assault yeah. claims stemming from these communities over the past decade so it wasn't like oh this one thing happened and I heard my friend this happened to my friend this was a this was a young woman who was like I have lived through something pretty horrific I, I've mm. been, uh, you know, privy to uh, watching a lot of boys, um, private boys school behaviour and we still are doing nothing about it. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. And so, so Chanel set up a petition online um, and the idea behind the petition was that it gave people a forum to come forward and talk about their experiences with, with boys and young men from all of these schools and um, literally thousands and thousands of people have come in and signed a petition and given over their testimonies and it's it's pretty bloody damning these these uh these allegations are about the most exclusive expensive schools that you can go to um so so for example um scott's college knox grammar cranbrook waverley college Shaw. like these are all the you know the bougiest schools that you can go to in sydney and they're expensive aren't they oh yeah are they Oh, fuck, I don't like even know. Like, like there would be, uh, there'd be like, you know, 50, 60 grand a year, some of them, when they get to year 11 and year 12. Enormously expensive and only for the most privileged of people. I mean, like the top yeah. 1% of people could ever afford to send a kid there without a scholarship. So it is a type of family who is sending their children yeah. there. And I mean, guess, you know, from, from your basis as, as, as a teacher and knowing what you do about public versus private, what, what are the advantages for, for our, private, our public school listeners? What are the advantages of going to a private school? Oh, God. Um, oh, for private schools, I mean, the, sco- the scores are almost always higher. The resources are incredible um, compared to public schools. The, the classes are smaller. They've got, um, you know, tutors coming in and out. I remember when I was doing my um, teaching rounds um, in Victoria many, many years ago, um, I was at a private girls' school and I was teaching drama to the senior girls and um, they, she said, oh, you know, tomorrow you don't really have to teach much because we've got um, someone coming in. And it was like a professor who had taught at NIDA came in and workshopped these girls' monologues for them in preparation for oh their in prepara- yeah preparation for their um for their exam their final exam and they didn't do theatre studies there because theatre study oh no no they didn't do drama they did theatre studies I'm sorry and the difference between that is theatre studies a little bit more like like it has you know scripts and with drama you can be a little bit more creative and do weird mm. shit that we used to do but in theatre studies it's like you have to do a Shakespeare or you have to do like you know. Uh, you know, an Arthur Miller's monologue or whatever. And I was like, why don't you guys do drama? And she said, oh, because we can, we don't want them to make too many decisions around it because we can't really control that. But if they choose a script where there's something for us to go by, 
we can show them what it's supposed to look like and we can get someone in to, to direct them on what it's supposed to look like rather than uh, giving them any kind of choices. I yeah, I was like, fuck, that is the least fun thing about drama or theatre studies. So, but they had they had someone come in and I remember watching these girls who seemed quite proud of their monologues to begin with. Um, every All of their kind of, their own decisions were stripped away and this person from NIDA was like, no, no, you'll get marked down on that do this and do this and do this. And like, I guess from some people's point of view, probably the parents' point of view that are spending so much money, that is wonderful. That is a wonderful thing to do because... Because you're giving someone the tools to succeed, yeah. right? And you succeed by fitting into the expectations of workplaces yeah. and, you know, the community. Like it, it's all about how you ascribe to what the highest levels of the society expect yeah. of you. Well, you know, like there's a like there's a method there. It's like, okay, so this is this score means success. Anything less than this does not mean success. Mm. And they just constantly mm. work to getting as many kids as possibly in the, into that top that top bracket and at the, the cost, mm. the cost is like it's huge, I think. Like the like these girls who were seemed proud of their monologues were told that's not good and this is what's good and so why would they ever believe in a decision they're going to make again they're like oh okay okay yep that's fine oh, such an it's such an interesting insight into like the autonomy of those girls as well and like having decisions made on their behalf but like in the what what the what all the reports are uncovering and again this is an ongoing conversation is that in these elite privileged schools they foster an idea in these children that they are exceptional and that they deserve to be there and that they deserve to lead the country, which is what they end up doing. And that's the thing. I've struggled struggled around this a little bit in, in this narrative because it's not just that they're told to believe that they are. They are. Mm. These boys, They these boys walk, work out of these super exclusive colleges they walk into super exclusive universities and super exclusive courses because they they can access because not only do they have the marks behind them they've got the connections and they've got the the money and then they go on from that with all the connections that they have through their schooling through their families to the top jobs in our in our country and so they are the prime ministers they are the ministry they are the heads of our banks and our institutions and our organizations they're all private school boys and from the day dot when they started in our systems in our institutions they were told that they were exceptional that they just they deserve everything they end up doing everything that anyone could want to do you know in kind of the, the language of success in our community and and then we're surprised that they continue to hurt and harm and, women yeah and <laughs> go with the zero consequences or the, that they are surprised exactly. when there are consequences it's like exactly um... and, and that's the like yes we so so in response a lot of people have said that when schools need to do more, more about teaching sexual consent schools need to do more about you know talking about what consent means and what it what you know how how they should behave and respect um, and values and stuff but it's it's much it's much bigger than that it's bigger than this because they they they're elite and they're entitled and they're taught that they can do anything they want mm. And and so you can't you can't teach somebody about consent and then and then obliterate all those other systemic issues yeah. and factors. It's not going right? to take a one day course. And I guess the only thing that yeah. is and I and I dread to think what this one day course is. Is it just a listing? you know, the consequences that they will face if they do break the law. And are they actually, Probably. you know, like it's, it's like, okay, great, so you'll go to jail for this. Not like, okay, so you've ruined this person's life and then this is... Yeah, and also they won't go to jail for it. Yeah, they definitely... No, no. <laughs> but, like, you're, you're totally right. It wouldn't be a conversation about that. It would be a conversation about reputation and the credibility of the school and the importance of like the community is seeing them in a particular way. Like it's not about harm or accountability or responsibility. Well, and that's how the system works. Like, cause remember, you know, last year when St. Kevin's was finally, finally after years of being an absolute piece of shit school, finally like the four corners did that story on them and said oh these are the amount mm. of broken things that have happened happened in St Kevin's some from the some from the teachers some from the students some from the school body itself it is um like this is general kind of undercurrent of shit can't behavior at this school and finally mm. finally it was kind of um it was made public and that's when the school was like oh shivers hey wait on wait on 
this isn't true or that's not true or wait on a sec. Okay, so for that we're sorry. But before that it was like just ignore it, just ignore it. The person will stop whinging or the person will give up or we'll just tell that parent to stop being so upset about it. Or we'll, um, you know, tell the boys, hey, 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 please stop singing that really horrific, horrific song about girls being potholes. Um, yeah, at least don't do it on buses, uh, yeah. guys. Just, like, do it in a safe place like our locker Yeah, room. in front of maybe some <laughs> female PE teachers who feel terrified around you. <laughs> so it's... But the, 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 like, it, the other thing I'm finding really troubling in this is how the rest of the conversation around responses is going so for example and this is this is um this is what a um quite high ranking uh police officer said about it he was talking about um uh his his work in the space and he said that it was a combination of peer pressure alcohol a lack of knowledge and fear of losing face in front of male peers that contributed to the culture of sexual tr- crime like that's a really problematic narrative because it's it's not you can't blame alcohol for people raping each other. Then the principal of Kincopal Rose Bay, which is a really really bougie all girls school in um, in Sydney, came out and said that um, in in a letter to parents, and I'll read it out loud because I really want to get your take on. Please this don't one. read it read it in your so, head. It works terribly for podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, she said that some of the responsibility lies with parents. She said. Responding to the all the accounts of sexual assault and rape mean that parents are required to continue to work in partnership with us to support your daughters by having conversations regarding consent, the impact of alcohol, risk-taking behaviours, mm. and self-respect. Oh, God. What do you reckon uh, about that, mate? It just is so, so bad. <laughs> well, it's just like... Victim blaming. To- like, it's like, here you go... Um, just a reminder to the parents that um, your girls are doing the wrong thing and that you need to be teaching them to not drink alcohol because they should have more self-respect and this is the consequence that will happen. It just, it's like if yeah. that is someone, someone who's leading the girls' school, it's like uh, – and what's, who's leading the boys' school? Like, and do they even talk together? Is this like – is when are the boys getting in trouble? <laughs> when is – Wait, if, even if the girl, even if the you know the woman who's leading the fem- like the girls' school, she's like, oh, that is bad. You guys should be doing better things. It's like, oh my god, this is insane. Sorry, you guys are bananas. And you see, like, it's just it's looking from the outside. It's just it's just it's it seems so obvious to us, but they're so entrenched in this culture of impunity and a lack of accountability and this idea that they're special and privileged because they are, mm. that they're not going to upfront address it and say, you you are all entitled. You, you you don't have to be accountable for your actions. And, you know, fundamentally it is wrong to rape or sexually assault or take advantage of someone. It's just absent yeah. from all these conversations. Yeah. And- but at the same time, what's been happening, Brom, what, what, happened, what happened a fortnight ago um, with... Brittany Higgins. So, so she was Brittany Higgins as a f- former political advisor. Yeah. So she was t- uh, 24 weeks into her new. Um, she was 24 years old, and she was only weeks into her new job. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And she was taken to Parliament by a senior colleague um, after a night out. And if you remember being 24, you probably drank a little bit silly and probably had a lovely time. And just like right now, like I can't, I can't see many differences between a 24 year old bronze drinking and 34 year old bronze drinking. If she wasn't from pregnant. A fundamental expectation that you should be safe in doing yeah. so and not yeah. sexually assaulted. And he, she went out with a bloke that she worked with and she was super drunk and she, he took her back to the minister's office um, and she went and fell asleep on the couch and she woke up to him sexually assaulting her. Um, mm-hmm. And she had, she asked him a number of times to stop, like stop, 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 stop. And he didn't. And then um, in the following days he got sacked and it was not, a, it didn't say that it was about the sexual assault, did it, Claire? It was about him, yeah, it, it was about it him wasn't. going into the minister's office. So he just yeah. got, so she she experienced a horrific, life-changing um, event and he got, he lost his job. So I can't, mm-hmm. uh, and and it wasn't, he didn't get in trouble for that. So the message that they, mm-hmm. that the Liberal Party sent her was, 
oh, that was bad. Look, we've stood up for you. And then they've turned to him and said, don't go into other people's offices. Get out, you naughty boy. And then she was just <laughs> left there like, fuck, no, no one's actually thought about what happened to me. Yeah. And Linda Reynolds, who was the then Defence Industry Minister, knew that it happened and she did nothing. She did nothing. She didn't report it to the police, which is the first thing you should do as a a human being, let alone a parliamentarian who has an indictable offence report Mm. to them. She did nothing. They covered it up. It was a cover-up because they were worried about what what it would do to optics. Yeah, just like like St Kevin's. What was this going to do to how people viewed us? We need to seem powerful. We need to seem in control and we need to seem like we've got everyone is doing the right thing, even though... Mm we are not and there's heaps of people who are not Mm -hmm. and there's people who you know she worked for them it's not like she was just someone who walked in off the street like she was part of their team and they just hung her out to dry (laughs) yeah and and so after Brittany came out a whole bunch of other women came out and said me too yeah so this was Brittany's uh, um Brittany Higgins case that happened all like horrible night that happened in March 2019 so only two, (laughs) two years ago um, where we understood that this point in our, you know, in humanity, what rape looks like and what rape is, you know, it's not like we yeah. can be like, oh, well, she was drunk. Like, I feel like at that point we knew we better, knew. Yeah. but the ones, <laughs> the ones that are coming out now, um, many decades ago, but still we can't even put that mm. excuse on it. Like we can't be like, no, oh, they knew never. Like this is, this is a, this, it's it, just because it's historical doesn't mean it matters. And this one is particularly devastating. Um, this is a rape allegation from 1988. And um, for at the point of recording, they're an identified cabinet minister, but everybody knows who they are. So a bunch of people have come out, including um, former, um, former Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull, and said, everybody knows who it is. We know who it is, but... No, we don't want to get sued for defamation before it's in the public um, the public forum. So this woman came out, wrote to a number of um, number of politicians, and uh, and said, "I was raped in 1988 by this man. He is now a, a very very senior minister." And um, and she complained to the police as well. And then at the beginning of the pandemic, she took her own life. And it's now at a point where um, we're looking at the behaviour of the people who received those complaints of the people who weren't in the Liberal Party they all reported it immediately to the Australian Federal Police which is an appropriate response to a really serious allegation ScoMo did not he did not until it later came out into the public eye a whistleblower um, brought the allegations to light rather than talk to the devastating impact of the, the allegations or the almost certainty that this woman is telling the truth or was telling the truth. We can't ask her now. Um, he has stood behind his, his, his party member and he has said it's a matter for police and I am not commenting on it. And journalists have said to him, well, police have said we can't investigate it um, because there's not enough evidence. And he's like, well... The, the process is the process it's and he's he's it's just like do they do they think that that either people will just think oh it was historical it doesn't matter anymore or do they think that people will just assume this woman lied or do they think that their constituents don't care uh well i think it's about defending what they what they have built and it's about um and how how easy is it to say well she was a liar because she's dead. Yeah, she's dead, and it happened exactly. so long, so many years ago. It's so easy to be like, no, it didn't happen. And the fuck thing about Scomo, so many things. But one of them was like, like a journalist was like, do you be- do you believe her? And he was like, yeah. it doesn't matter what I believe. It's up to the police. And they're like, no, no. As the Prime Minister of Australia, it yeah. pretty much what definitely matters yeah. what you believe right now. And he was like, yeah. just such. Oh, like, and, and not naming him, not asking him to come out and say. For that person to come and like say, "Oh, this was about me," um, I, you know, I either apologise and happily go to jail, or I, um, 
or I didn't do it. But he's he's remained yeah. silent and just like, well, I'm not going to get involved in that. And well, the only thing he said is that he said this again and again. This is his line: the individual involved has vigorously rejected these allegations. He said that so many times in press conferences. He said again and again that he believes the powerful mm. man. But he also, um, but yeah, he hasn't. But he also hasn't said, "I believe him." He's just said, I, "It doesn't matter what I believe." It, yeah, which exactly. Is worse, it, I think. Which is actually it is. It it also shows that he does. He, he does. He does believe him. Just to say to to call to the member to call to the fact that the member has vigorously denied the mm. claims means that he has taken a he's taken a strong position on what he thinks. So, Bron, guess where ScoMo went to school? Do you reckon he went to a public school like us? Did he go to? Yeah, he went to Charnwood Primary and then he went to, um, and then he went to, what's another, Canberra High. Canberra High, I thought so. I thought, Mm. I thought, I thought that he did. And how about, how about Josh Frydenberg? Where do you reckon Josh Frydenberg went to school? Stromlo High School, right? Stromlo High School. Broad, (laughs) broad, what's that, what's that city, what's that place in Melbourne? I'm losing my things. Uh, Frankston. Frankston High, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely the, all of the places, and they were just the bottom of the class. And amazing, they, they were the were. underdogs, and they just came out on top, and they worked so hard to get there. No one helped them. It's no nepotism. Single parents, so, yeah, they yep, just like, like just not not paid a lot of their money. way, figured they it did. out. They worked so worked hard. Worked at Donut King, so and then they just got there. <laughs> Michelle's good to read. <laughs> yeah, and then they made it. And so that's why I know one day I will also be the prime minister. Exactly. So let's go through them. Michael McCormack, David Littleproud, and going Nationals and Liberals at the moment, Simon Benningham, Christian Porter, Peter Dutton, they all, Alan Tudge, Greg Hunt, they all went to private schools. They all went to the schools. Except I think, I don't know about, about Peter about Dutton. Now. I think Peter Dutton crawled out of the gutters. <laughs> I think he just came out of a drain. <laughs> <He did. laughs> there was a dead dog lying by the side of the road and it set on fire. And a tiny baby was born. <laughs> Peter Dutton, beautiful man. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. They all went to these schools. They are all very, very, very privileged people who have come from institutions that foster an idea that they be- they belong to the highest echelons of society mm. and that they will get everything they want and they have yeah. they literally lead the country and if we yeah if we do want to think that you know feminism has you know progressed and that men have become more woke and that people women are being treated with more respect than they were say 30 years ago when these blokes were at school can you imagine if right now there are still things that are happening like the the private boys school saying you know a competition called slut of the year and the constant um uh, and boys constantly uh, you know getting girls really drunk uh, then, uh, you know, raping them while they're asleep, filming it, posting it to their friends. Like, this is really common practice. It is not a once-off mm. thing. This is happening a lot of the time. I'm not saying it's just happening in, in private boys' school, but this is the culture of the boys' school that we're focusing on right now. And we know that it happens more at yes. schools. Like, you're really emphasising that, but, like, it happens more and the cultures enable So if it. these things were happening, if these things are happening today – when we are supposed to have, you know, we have way more female leaders who are present. We have more, you know, like equal pay is supposed to be a thing. We've got feminism, which is in the media. People are pushing back all of the time. If these are boys who have been, you know, who've witnessed this a little bit Mm. uh, 30 years ago, none of of this, like this progressive stuff seemed to be there. How shitty would it have been then? Like the scores of these men that you're talking about, except for Peter Dutton's drain, all of these schools would have just had the most horrible narratives surrounding women and, their, and women's rights. And so when they're when now, even though it is 30 years later or even longer, and they've given, they're given a story like, oh, this woman was, uh, when she was 16 years old, she was raped by this bloke that you know, mm-hmm. that you have, you know, mm-hmm. a personal relationship with. What do you think about this? As if they're going to be like, oh, shivers, let's, um, let's take her seriously. 
like yeah exactly they're, they're not going to just overhaul this indoctrination no. right no they'll be like well oh, that's they're easy not gonna let go of anything. it's so easy for them to ignore that oh my gosh so easy the only thing that they're yeah. worried about right now is how much this is damaging their their political party they're, yeah exactly their, their control and their power and so we don't have any answers and this is the horribly challenging thing about having conversations like this because the reality is that we're talking about something called primary prevention and we've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before and it's an idea that you can do things in the community from when people are really really young particularly men and little boys are really really young to stop them from becoming uh, people who hurt women later and to stop gender inequality which we know is one of the drivers of violence against women um, and it's really hard work and it's, it's, it's hard work because you need institutions to get behind it and to change the minds of men, particularly men, who have thought this way their entire lives. And it doesn't just unfold. It doesn't just stop. And so when you see really powerful men kind of brought up in these these systems and institutions and just kind of make their way to the top of the world and watch them comment on it and deal with it themselves. It's just, it's just a really, it's sobering because as long as these institutions exist, as long as these systems exist, you are going to see these problems again and again and again and again without some enormous fundamental overhaul and consent education. It, Maybe it'll help a little bit, but it's not going to fix the problem. Yeah, and it. I, but I don't even understand how everyone, anyone's even arguing that it doesn't need to be there. This is the thing. Like, there's these schools are these schools are kind of, if they push back on the consent thing, that I think that they feel like they're admitting admitting that there's a problem. It's like, oh, actually, how are you still taking the stand that there is no problem? It's still this constant like damage control of, don't accept that that's a problem. Don't like our boys yeah. would not do that. Um, we need to just move on and then hopefully a leader of a private girls' school will come out and say, girls, you need to be smarter with alcohol. Exactly. It's your fault, girls. Yeah. It's your fault. But, yeah, I think I, I, you and I have talked about it before about private schools and I think, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what my circumstances were. If I had a boy, I just think I fundamentally I could not – send them to a private school mm. doesn't matter what really like you are just contributing to that problem now what about if it was co-ed well that's i guess that's a little bit that's a little bit different and honestly i don't know enough about you know about the co-ed private system but we should invest in our public schools for so many reasons right and the reality is if that people with money go into the public system they can then invest into it right Mm. and this is one of the problems with our community it's becoming more and more stratified and you have the rich in one place and the poor in the other and they move out into the world in those sections like i just i think for reasons beyond just you know just wrong language for reasons beyond the you know the issues with with gender equality and and sexual violence i just i just don't think they should exist at Mm. all i think we should have a more even playing field for everybody you shouldn't get a better education just because you were born to rich parents yeah, and it is uh, like the the schools that we, you know, some of the schools that I've been around, public schools, have been so under-resourced that it, the message that you, mm. like you don't have to say, oh, we don't have, like the school doesn't have to explicitly say we don't have enough funds to do that, even though the teachers will say that almost every day to kids. We don't have enough funds to replace mm. the basketballs. Please don't kick them on the roof, you pieces of shit. <laughs> or like we don't have enough funds to replace that whiteboard please can you just um be careful with it things like that it's constantly told to students of public public schools that there isn't enough money for them there isn't enough money for um for things to get replaced that stuff does not happen at private schools so this idea of financial awareness um which kids should not have to really really be that bothered by Mm. is told Mm. to public school kids all of the time but not really to mm. private. Well, it's a different message to private school. It's like you can have, we'll just replace it. Oh, but we're, yeah, we've got everything. Don't yeah, worry we're about getting it. a Chill. new amphitheater this week because the other ones, the other <laughs> ones, are too far away from the dance studio. Like it's you know, it's it, the the messages that we that these schools just send these kids, whether you know explicitly or inexplicitly, it's kind of like it's it's that is going to change who they are as who they are as adults. 
as people exactly it, it makes them think it, like it just gives them a sense of entitlement yeah. right and that's 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 a you know a big big factor at the heart of everything we're talking about boys men feeling entitled to hurt and use women mm. and we <laughs> we Actually, strangely, this loops. This is isn't a it? Segways and s- elegant segue. I can't believe it. Usually it, they're mate. so bad, but the, at so, the moment they're actually, so good. Uh, today is a day that will go down when our <laughs> topics made sense and they're linked together. Yeah, mate. I'd like to thank what? Peter Dutton for all his support. <laughs> thank you so much, Peter. You swamp rat. From what was your favourite film when oh. you were about? 12, when you went down, I'm going to paint you a picture, okay. babe. I'm going to paint you a picture of our childhood. It's school holidays. You have worked at Donut King mm. and you've just gotten your paycheck. What, we were paid like $5, $5 an hour? $5.55, Claire. And thank you so much. Rich, rich, rich. <laughs> um, it's, it's the holidays. The local video easy has 10 bucks for HVHS. No, no new releases, babe. That's extra. So for a whole week, you can choose 10 films to watch again and again and again in your holidays. So you've gone to Baker's Delight and you've gotten a loaf of fresh white bread with your paycheck. You've gone to Kingsley's Chip and Chicken. <laughs> you've gotten those delicately serrated awesome chips. Awesome chips. You're ready. You're ready. Awesome chips. Unbelievable chicken. <laughs> I never tried the chicken. The chips were lit. They were. Oh, God, so yeah. I want Kingsley's. We should go to Canberra and get some I'm Kingsley's chips and then you. leave forever without looking at anyone talking to anyone. <laughs> We've made it. So what films in this gorgeous scenario, yeah. what film do you put at the top of your oh, bucket? Oh, shit, what a run-up. I really loved uh, Never Been Kissed. I loved it so oh, much. Do you yeah. remember that one with Drew Barrymore? Oh, yeah, I do. That one was about her I'm... being a journalist and was like trying to get into the minds of students or something like that. And they were like, well, Josie Grossy. Um, you have to go back and be a student because you're maybe the youngest of everyone. And and she's a nerd, right? She's why I know that instead of nauseous, she say nauseated because she's talking to her friend and she's like, oh my God, you're so nauseous. And she's like, no, I feel nauseated. Oh. I know every time I feel nauseous, I say nauseated. Thanks, oh, Josie Grossi. Oh God, she taught you so much. It was a film of learning. It was a film of learning. It was a film and of learning. And it was, she went into the school and she was like a bit of a dag, but they like made her a bit, like a bit more like uh, aesthetically beautiful i guess they were like look you have like we'll make your hair less mousy brown and we'll like wash your face or something yeah and we'll put butterfly clips in your hair and then you're fine and then she went into school they're back p.s butterfly clips are back they're back talking nonsense claire (laughs) they're not back (laughs) i'm gonna send you up some back (laughs) so much so then she went into the school and then uh, as she was you know like really entrenched in her mission she realized that the teacher was a total babe and the teacher massive creep thought she was a total babe he still thought she was a student and he was like oh he was all like you know ethically torn like oh no how do I find this student beautiful and attractive and charming and adorable I'm supposed to be a grown-up and she's supposed to be a minor and then it didn't matter and then in the end it was finally revealed that don't worry about it she's not actually a student it's fine it's so fine you can definitely don't look at that bit (laughs) you can definitely you can definitely have sex with her you can definitely smash yeah do it but that and it was a great film and so good, but it was so many problems with it. Claire, oh my god, so bad! Oh my god, the teacher's like, I think I, I, I think we're gonna bang my student. Oh, it's okay. Oh, okay. I can bang her. Thank goodness. <laughs> how about how about what else in line with this? Grease. Grease loved was. Grease. Oh my god, just do, yeah, I loved Grease so much. Fun fact about Claire, I was Sandy once. What? Sandy, I sang. Fun yeah, fact, I sang that's a massive lie. You. You, was this Sandy in a play that you did by yourself? <laughs> When were you Sandy? No, in, I'm so sorry, but Rebecca Primary School, <laughs> when I was in grade Sounds six, public. I was Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> it was very public. Um, oh, I was Sandy. Really I sang Hopelessly Devoted to You. And then, um, God, who was... Danny was... I think he was a guy called Tim. I can't completely remember. And I was so excited because I thought they would they would kiss, but he didn't want to kiss me. Yeah. Um, Even though you were Hopelessly Devoted... God, Tim, you idiot. Not. You don't know, you don't know a good woman when you see one. to breaking my heart. 
in Larry, I was your primary school did oh, Greece. That's like even yeah, as a teenager it's a it's a piece of shit like thing to watch. I mean mate, you can imagine it was a shit show. But, like you can imagine. But a tiny little child singing hopelessly devoted to you. Weird. Yeah, hectic weird. and weird. Public schools, what are they going to do? <laughs> anyway, that is just like, there's just nothing good about that no. film. There's the slut shaming. Yes. There's a woman who completely contorts herself to win the love of a man. There's songs that include like jokes about rape. It's just, it's just, it's just terrible. But fuck, the songs are good. Damn it. Like, it was, <laughs> look, it was so bad. They're, and they're, meanwhile, they're all like 35 years old. Exactly, so yeah, like Channing, Channing, what is her name? Channing, Stanning, Stockham, Stock, Stockholm, Channing, what, are what you is her name? Say? She was a really Peter good Dutton. lady and she died recently. Peter Dutton. She played Rizzo. Oh, did she die? Stockard Channing. Rizzo Stockard died. Channing, yeah, she died. Oh, well, she was... <laughs> oh, no, she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> just Googled it. She's alive. Oh, Congratulations, Rizzo, you're still living. Education. She's alive. Why did I think she dead anyway she wasn't dead she was like 30 when she played Rizzo yeah so I'm amazed that she's still alive that's the amazing thing yeah me too good she's for you, alive mate. good for you we almost killed you <laughs> she's alive that's crazy <laughs> yeah she was but she was the one who was like made fun of because she was a bit promiscuous or like and all the boys like would like yeah. all of these insinuations that they'd all been with her or if a boy one boy liked hmm. her one grown man liked her she they were like oh that's disgusting and so I remember understanding what all of that meant. And I was really little yeah. and being like, oh, okay. But also Sandy, she was kind of crucified because she was too prudy. Like she was like. Yeah, she was too prudy. And she was shamed because she wasn't like giving it to Danny, right? Yeah. Or that anybody else. Yeah. She's and like, then, hold up. I actually, I actually really do care. <laughs> yeah. So then she wore, got she wore that tiny little black outfit and then uh, she got chills and they were multiplying. And then she was, and then they danced and everyone was like, wow, she's finally sexy. She's made it. And then that's when they, it, that's when she was like the success of the school. Exactly. She got hot and the boy chose her and now everything is fine. Everything is absolutely fine. Oh my God. I could. Which is basically my life. <laughs> Stop it. You are not Sandy and Tim will never kiss you. I will Sandy for Never being kissed, Claire. It's it me. <laughs> la, la, la. It what about, me. What about 10 things I hate about you, Claire? Do you remember that one? Oh, let's talk about that. I loved and still love that film. And I loved it because the Lee character was weird and angry. I, I loved that she was angry and I loved that that anger was embraced right like she it was it was it wasn't shamed out of her it was it was just her temperament and I know I know that um obviously it's based on Taming of the Shrew but like they really uplifted that idea that she is ill-tempered to make it a feminist thing and because of the shitty behavior that she'd experienced from men I thought that was really really powerful and I also really liked that you know while she she does give her poem at the end which to bh is a fire poem i hate that you didn't call but most of all i don't hate you not even a little bit not even at all i mean but there was some for its time there was some really kind of good messages i mean the shit boy joey like he gets completely trashed right and um and the the reason that Joey is such a dick to to um to Cat is because he pressured her into having sex and they did. And then the reason that she's such a dick is that she vowed to never again do anything just because everybody was doing it. And so the sisters reconcile, um, and the popular cool sister realizes that her sister is not a dick. She's just actually a really strong, important feminist. Like this is. It was a really powerful film, but we have a, you know, obviously there are problems. It oh was made God. in like it was, fucking there's so many There are going to be problems. I have so many problems with it. I did love it. Tell I, me. Tell well, me about your problems. So she was pressured into having sex and then she was, and then after, and then the guy was like, okay, finished, done with you. And then for the months, however long later, she was like, she wasn't getting joy out of being angry. Like she was li- still literally angry and she didn't get like there was no real justice there for her she was like she was just she was outcast and no one everyone just like labeled her the really angry um 
like unlikable girl and so she was she was the one who was punished for that so it and then so yeah then, you're right and then, right. And then her little sister thought that she was a creep so it affected every single relationship that she seemed to have to the point where she was um she was made a spectacle of and they were like a they said to Heath Ledger, R.I.P., he is dead, Rizzo is not alive, Heath Ledger is gone. He was given the challenge of trying to win her over and then he lied and manipulated mm. and tricked her into so many, uh, in, in so many ways until finally she let, let her guard down again and then she was hurt again by another bloke. So she was like, well, fuck yeah, everyone here. Yeah, right. And then he was like, oh, I'm sorry. And then she realised that the person who, like, orchestrated the whole thing was the guy who tricked her, who, like, pressured her into having sex in the first place. And you're so, you're so right. That is a really important reading. Of yeah, it. it's like it was, it was at the time. Way to ruin my favourite movie, bitch. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh. <laughs> I did. I like look. I would even oh, watch it again. It. But I, I think that they, this was. If we're talking about hidden messages that are that are sent to young people, the one the movies that we have just listed now have got some pretty enormous messages that are like not great. <laughs> Are they, Claire? Babe, I have a proposition for you. After this baby comes, I'm going to come to Brisbane to to meet them Mm -hmm. and have and let's 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 have a glass of shardy Mm -hmm. and let's watch let's watch Ten Things I Hate About You and then we'll we'll do some we'll do some stories during the watching to our followers about the response. I will cry. Okay. Before the movie starts, (laughs) probably the whole time it's on. And I'll be angry because that's empowerment. Oh my god, your cat! Don't say that. You're my cat. <laughs> she's my favorite character. <laughs> she's so upset. She's a terrible time. Oh no, she's a powerful feminist. I mean, aren't you angry? Uh, like with everything we've talked about today, aren't you angry? I'm angry. Yeah, I feel angry. Yeah, I'm angry, but um, also no one's like paying people money to um to trick me into going out with them because I'm that angry. No one's. No why aren't they? Why isn't anybody paying I, us money I, I, for them? This is, <laughs> continues to be yes. bullshit. Like, why are we not getting paid? Why is Rizzo alive? Ooh. Why is Peter Dutton Why alive? is my life now? Why is happening? Oh. But it's fine because the hot boy chose me because I'm hot and now I've got a Lamborghini. Yeah, suck shit, Tim from primary school. Suck shit. Suck shit, everyone, except for our listeners. We yeah. love you so much. This has been a wild ride of a good Cheers episode. It has. But we've done segues on point. Yeah, though. they have been on pretty point. good. But I, I think it's really important um, that, like, I know it, it kind of feels like we were double dip, dipping into this private school thing, but I think it's really important that we had mentioned that it is still ongoing yeah. and that um, we are seeing yeah. it like being played out in real time in our parliament and that is exactly and babe next season let's triple dip let's drop back in and see if anything's gotten better because i don't think it will have no and why would it why would they have had like what what kind of course will they have to do it'll have to be scomo's daughters and jenny <laughs> having to really teach him exactly what what women's yeah. rights are in order for anything to I change i remembered that women are human beings after my wife reminded me <laughs> That they're human She's beings. She's so smart. Fuck you, Scomo. <laughs> oh, we have been good, Sheila's taking our rage away. Ten things we love about you. If you like us, you like listening to us, please subscribe. Share us with your friends. We love doing this. We're doing it out of the goodness of our beautiful hearts. So pass it on. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.